Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Simon Peter. Most of us are aware that uh, when Simon met Jesus, his name was Simon. And later and over time, Jesus renamed Simon. And the only time Jesus went back to calling him Simon was typically when Peter messed up. And uh, matter of fact, that's quite a few times in the gospel. So you hear typically Jesus address him by that name again, almost after every single mess up. If you remember growing up, typically mama only called you by your full name when you were in trouble. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah. So it's the same type of thing here. Peter meant rock. Simeon meant hearer or hearing. And uh, what God wanted to do is take him for just being a hero of the word, but, but, but becoming a doer and a rock on which uh, uh, people can stand and rest and, and uh, become just a solid figure in his kingdom. It starts Simon Peter. Both names are used here. And what I enjoy about reading that is often when we get a, to a certain level of leadership or prominence, Peter, again, is the great apostle by now, and people are celebrating him uh, around the globe. But many of us, when we, we reach that place, we act like we never messed up. But Peter, you know, in, in his graciousness, he, what, he didn't hide the fact that he was once a Simon. Are you hearing me? That he had some Simon that he still had to deal with in his life. I want you to listen to David's transparency when it came to the same issue in Psalm chapter 40 and verse 1. It's a familiar psalm. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Things did not come easy for David. David was anointed to be king in his teens. He defeated Goliath. And then actually that victory only caused him problems. Saul got jealous and tried to kill him. And it wasn't until he was 30 years old that he finally entered into kingship. But that was after running. That was after, uh, you know, uh, his, his ziklag and all the terrible experiences. So he didn't just wake up one morning, God anointed him, and, and he lived happily ever after. Uh, from the time of his teens to his uh, 30s, he was facing challenges. But David had to hang in there like the rest of us. Amen. All of us need to hang in there if we're going to see the provision and promise of God in our life. He says this, I waited patiently or I hung in there. And watch what the Lord did. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Now, literally in the Hebrew, the word translated inclined means the Lord bent down. And what happened was when, when David wouldn't let go of God's, Lord, I believe you love me. I believe you're for me. I don't understand the things that are going on around me. And, and I'm going to hang in, in here, God. And, and as he did that, God bent down and he heard, the Bible said, his cry. And if you want to be heard by God, you're going to have to hang in there. When Jesus was talking to his disciples about the last days, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And the example was a widow woman that would not stop, would not relent, kept going after this unjust judge, telling him, I need justice for my family. But because the woman didn't back up, relent, and, and all the rest, she received that which she came for. And God is looking for people that will hang on there and, and begin to, to, to trust in and just have faith in God's faithfulness and goodness in spite of the circumstances you might be facing. It says, he drew me up from the pit. Again, not because David was on top. God's not just looking for the beautiful people. David was literally on the bottom in this verse of Scripture. 
He said he drew me out from the pit, and then he describes the pit, the pit of destruction. In the Hebrew, the term is not destruction. The actual literal rendering is the screaming pit or the howling pit. And Peter understood this. Anyone that was out in the fields, and, and again, he was on the run a lot of years of his life, uh, you, you could be walking and very quickly fall into a hole. And there were cisterns also that were left empty uh, that people used at one point to collect water and, and now that they're no longer used. And, and what could happen is while you were walking, if you weren't paying attention, you could very easily fall into a hole. But this screaming hole speaks of the experience of the person that after they find themselves in the hole, all night long they hear the, the echoes of, of the prey and the predators. They hear the growl and the groans. And it kind of echoes throughout the cavern that they're stuck in. And, and by the way, uh, if you're familiar with the, the story of Joseph, Joseph was thrown into a pit by his brothers. And this pit was deep enough that he couldn't climb out. So again, he's speaking of a similar type of, of pit here. And, and David, you know, he, he said, listen, I know from whence I've come, God, you drew me out of the pit of what? destruction. So in the night again, he'd heal the predator and, and, and the prey. But in the daytime, you know, he'd be in there by himself, but the wind would blow and it would sound like, you know, it reverberate throughout the hole in the pit. And it would sound like someone was, a, was, was in there with him and it could be a little nerve wracking and upsetting. Again, you're stuck there, you're hearing things. And, and it, again, it, it's, it's just a tough place. Most people that find themselves in a pit fell in it. So you're in a pit because of a mistake, a misstep, and here he's, he's, he's in a place where his mistakes and his missteps and, and his fears have, have all trapped him. And the voices in his head are screaming at him and calling him all types of names. And, and he couldn't silence it. And he's talking about this pit. Anybody in here ever been in a pit? You ever have, you know, noises and, and your, your, your own voice just screaming at you and beating you down and, and you just can't get quiet. You don't have peace. But then he continues. He says, not only was I in this pit, God called me out of the miry bog or, or muddy hole. So he wasn't just in a pit. He was not only taken down, but he was starting to get sucked in. And it's one thing to, to kind of have a down moment, but you know when you've been down too long. And, you know, I have my moments, you know, not feeling the top, of, you know, but, but when it starts lasting too long, I know I'm moving toward trouble. And here he's talking about a type of depression that, that can come on us if we're not careful. He said, out of the miry bog, where this man was trapped, helpless, and exposed to the elements. But in spite of all his Simonists, his Simon got him in the pit, but God still saw a Peter. And we could be in our pit groaning, and God looks at us and sees a Peter instead of just a Simon. And then he says, and he set my feet upon a rock and made my steps secure. Meaning, God not only delivered him from the pit, he taught him how to walk so he didn't have to go back into the pit again. He made his footsteps what? Secure. Meaning he made it so again he would not find himself where he was. And God wants that for each of us. 1 Peter chapter 1 and 1. Simon, not just Peter. Simon Peter, the man with the history. A man who had made mistakes. A man who in fact denied the Lord three times even though the Lord told him he would do it the day before. He didn't believe him but went and did it anyway. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. When God has taken your life out of the pit, it's hard to be indifferent. It's hard to have a loose relationship with God and Jesus Christ in particular. And the love of God that, that reached Peter out of the mess that he was, was in made him a servant of the Most High. Meaning he voluntarily, you know, actually there were several types of servants 
uh, in, in Hebrew times. There was a person that was a servant to pay off debt sometimes because of war, but then there was a special servant. And the, uh, the special servant, and, and, and Moses talks about that this servant was a servant who after serving for years, it came time for his freedom, but decides to stay. And that's actually, that's where the man's earring came from. And what you would do is the owner of the home or the master whom you serve for those years, who you learn to trust and, and, and obviously there's a good relationship between the two of you, what he would do is he would take your ear by the, and bring it to the doorpost. And he would take something like an ice pick or all, if you will, and they'd hammer it through your ear. And when you wore this earring, it meant you were not just a slave, but a voluntary slave, meaning you were a different class of slave. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And Peter had experienced the goodness and the mercy of God, and he decided to become God's voluntary slave. But on top of that, Scripture says he was an apostle, meaning he was a water carrier for God's people. And you cannot love God without loving his people. And if you're grateful to God, you'll serve him again through serving his people. So he was God's servant, but also a special messenger to God's flock. And then he goes on and says, you know, he identified who he was, Simon Peter, and he, you know, it kind of reflected on his background. But now he's about to explain who he's writing this letter to. He said, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. I love Peter. Some say Peter was the first pope. I don't buy it, and I don't really see that in Scripture. But what I, what, what I like about what I see is, 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 is very, he's very much unlike a pontiff. Instead of talking down to people, you know, I've arrived at this level of spirituality and, and you just need to listen to me. He tells the people that, that are listening that they have a faith equal in value and power as his own. He said, I'm not a special class of super saint. I, I am not, you know, Mr. Wonderful. I know exactly what you're going through and God loved me in spite of where I was and he will love you the same way. Again, he said, listen, those who have attained a faith of equal what? Standing with ours. Don't miss this though. This was the man who walked on water. This was the man that talked with Jesus, walked with Jesus. This was the man that went up the mountain with Jesus when he was transfigured. This was the man who, who, who raised the dead. The Bible talks about that. This is the man who, who, who prayed for the sick and they recovered. This is the man who was in prison and talked with angels. This is the man who actually the power of God opens prison. Then this is the man who God does extraordinary and mighty things through. But watch what he says, lest you put him in a different class. To those who have obtained a faith of equal what? Standing as ours. Some of us, we get just a little bit, and people got to greet you in a special way and recognize, you know, your spirituality and, and, and your gift, you know. And I don't, you know, you know, and I, I, okay, I'm trying to say this politely. <laughs> I used to pastor in D.C. And, you know, in D.C., you know, in some church, in high church, it was a super saint, but in D.C., we called him the super spook. And the super spook, was, was the individual that, you know, they, they, one day, you know, that they, they heard God or something happened, but, but they spend the rest of their lives thinking they're better than, superior to, everybody. They come to church to judge the church. They come to judge the pastor. They, 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 they come to assess things, not to participate. 
not to be a blessing, not to serve, but because they got this high revelation, they are everybody's judge. They'll sit there and criticize everybody on TV, everyone that should be on TV, everyone that's not on TV, everybody on the radio. They, they, they got their, their favorite preachers, can't stand everybody. You understand everybody else except that person? And these are, are, are a very interesting group of people. But Peter did not have this attitude. What he was saying is, listen, guys, you have the same access to God as I have. My access to God is no greater than yours. Jesus had to approach God based on the cross and the empty tomb, the same cross and empty tomb as you and I. God is not looking at us. He's looking at his Christ. And we approach him through what Jesus did, not what we do. And because of that, there's no room for pride. There's no room for arrogance. There's no room for superiority. Because all of us were like sheep gone astray and we needed a shepherd, someone to dig us out of our hole and lift us up. We were all in a hole in a pit. So how did we become so high and mighty? I almost wish I could drop my title, pastor, bishop, whatever, just to be a regular fellow. The only problem is y'all will start talking to me like a regular fellow and I have to rebuke you all the time, so I don't want to do that. <laughs> but how I wish I could just drop all that and be Derek. Some of y'all don't want Derek, though, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Acts 3 and 11. Peter made the statement he said didactically or as a teaching and doctrinally, but I want you to see his statement in narrative form. In verse 11, it says, while he, and he was speaking of the he here, is the man that was born paralyzed, and you're, you can go on and read this at home. God used Peter to heal this man, and, and the man clung to Peter. And it's natural to cling to people you know, that God used, but at some point you have to grow beyond that. He clung to Peter and John. All the people were utterly astounded, and they ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, when he saw how excited everybody got, he immediately corrected them. He addressed the people here. Watch what he says. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why are you so shocked that God still does miracles? We serve a living God. We serve an active God. God is not dead. So why are you so surprised? Why is there such a fight over the miraculous and the power of God? If God lives, God still does what God does. Miracles. But then watch the second part. Or why do you stare at us? Peter's saying, why are you looking at me like I'm special? Why are you now going to try to put me up on a pedestal? He corrects him and says, listen guys, this is not right. And I've used this illustration before, but I often see myself more like a soda can. You don't buy a soda for the can. You buy the soda for the content. And my job is to give you the content, and you can throw away the can if you have to when you're through, but the issue is the content. It's the glory I carry. The Bible said it's the treasure is, is an earthen vessel so that the glory can be of God. God uses people. We should honor people. We should respect people. And the Bible says give honor to whom honors do, but we don't worship people. Amen? He said, why are you staring at me? He was bothered by this. A lot of people, they get a little tension, and, and then they start handing out the business cards like, yeah, come, come see me, the great one, you know, and, and then, you know, all the, no, 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 not Peter. This was not the spirit of the early disciples. He said, why are you looking at me as though by our own power or piety? Because I prayed so long, or because I fasted so long, and because I am Mr. Special. No, no, no. Why are you looking at us like, like I did this through my own power of piety? That we somehow made this man walk. I, I'm no better than anyone else. I know the pit from which I was dug, Peter was saying. 
I know where I came from. Don't look at me like that. We need to respect people, but also remember that that God that's with that person is in you. Matter of fact, if God is using a person, it's for the benefit of you. Are you hearing me? So, so never get caught up in all that. And then Peter goes on to explain, and he, he's correcting them. He said, it's not me, it's the God of Abraham. And if you didn't hear me say God, let me say it again. The God of Isaac. And if you didn't hear me say God, let me say it a, a third time. The God of Jacob. If you didn't hear me say God, let me say it the fourth time. The God of our fathers. He's the one that glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he decided to release him. Did you notice how Peter got in their face? Talk about you deny the Lord. Da, da, da. He does this all the way through verse 16. And I'm not going to read all that. We're going to pick up in verse 17. But I want you to see something about Peter. Peter realized he was forgiven. Because how could a man who betrayed the Lord three times start getting in other people's face about what they did unless that man has a revelation of God's forgiveness that his sins have been put away as far as the east is from the west. And some of the, one of the reasons why a lot of preachers can't preach the word is because they're guilty. But I've been washed. You hear what I'm saying? I've been cleansed. My job is not to preach me, it's to preach Christ. Are you hearing me? So even if I'm off a few steps, the message remains the same. But I'm not going to be off a couple steps. Skip to 16. And his name, not Peter's name, not my name, not in the name of Mr. Graham, not in the name of Mr. Jakes, not in the name of Mr. Hagen, not in the name, no, no. In his name, by faith, in whose name? His name has made this man strong. What made the man's name strong or made the man strong? The name of Jesus. How many of you in here can memorize the name of Jesus? You may not be able to memorize the scripture, but if you can memorize that name, that's above every name that can be named, you are armed and dangerous as far as the kingdom of heaven is concerned. Hebrews 13 and 8 says something important. You see, we have access today to the same name that Peter had access to 2,000 years ago. Nothing in heaven has changed. The only thing that changed some folks on earth. We may not believe the name the way they believe the name, but God's name remains the same. Hebrews 13:8 says this, Jesus Christ is one way one day, another way the next day. I mean, if you approach God while he's in the wrong mood, you're in trouble. Jesus Christ, the same. Only for the first hundred years after the resurrection. Or maybe for 200 years. Yesterday, today, and forever. World without end. He's saying that whatever Jesus was 2,000 years ago, he is still today. He does not change. Very, very, very important. This means the name will do the same for us as it did for Peter. If we trust it. Second Peter 1 and 1. We're trying to get out of this first verse. To those who have already, past tense, obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Once again, Peter did not have special faith. Your faith is equally as powerful and effective as his. But pay attention to this next portion of the verse. We have this standing by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, it's not our own righteousness. It's the right standing given us by Jesus Christ. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. We've covered this before. 
And we should be familiar with this passage of Scripture. And Paul is speaking by the Holy Spirit about what was accomplished at uh, Calvary's cross and the resurrection of, of our Savior Jesus. He said this, For our sake, because Jesus got into a mess he couldn't get out of, Mm-mm. because Jesus got the wrong people mad at him, Mm-mm. because Jesus was, 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 was caught weak, uh-uh. only one reason Jesus went to the cross. He told Pilate, I could call a legion, hey, don't think you got power to put me on that cross. I go to that cross for one reason, and it's for my flock. For our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. So on Calvary's cross, when it got dark, and I mean, God placed the sin of the entire human race on one man on Calvary's cross, and the innocent became guilty for all so that the guilty could be made innocent by one. So that in him, how many of y'all are in him? How many of you know if you weren't in the boat in the day of Noah, you didn't get rescued? God told Noah, listen, I have a plan of salvation for you. This is the way it's designed. I want these dimensions going to look just like this. God had a plan of salvation for you before you were born. These are the dimensions, and here's the deal. I want you to tell the people it's going to rain, but they're not going to believe you. And only those who believe me, I want in this ark. And, uh, you know, no one believed him until it started to rain. But how many of you know when the trumpet sounds, you can't, I mean, it's in the the blinking of an eye. You don't have time to say the Lord's Prayer. It is what it is when the Lord returns. Does that make sense to you? And only those found in the ark of safety were saved. And God is saying today, I want you to be found in Christ. Come on in out of the rain before it rains. Come out of the cold. Come on in. So that, that, you know, it was water last time, but the Bible said it's going to be fire next time. When the fire comes, you will be in the ark and you will be preserved, blameless, and kept during this time. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took our sin upon him so we could take his righteousness upon us. The first service, I tried to tell a story. Hopefully I could do it right in this service. I heard from folks that were familiar with, with farming and, and, and dealt with sheep. It wasn't unusual for a sheep to find itself, a little lamb, to find itself as an orphan. I don't know if mama was slain or, or you know, went to the slaughterer or, or was, was stolen. I really don't know what happened. But the point was there was this orphan lamb. And the challenge was no mother would accept it at its breast because mothers saved their milk for their children. And if their breasts were open to everybody, you know, uh, uh, their, their kids may not have enough and they may not survive, etc. So the farmer watched this for a while, or the, the shepherd watched this for a while, and then there was a mother whose lamb died. And suddenly the farmer had an answer. So what he did is he took the wool or the fleece from the dead lamb and then placed it on top of the orphan lamb. And then he brought that orphan lamb to the mother who just lost her child. But when the mother smelled her son that had been slain, you see, animals smell each other. And the orphan was covered in the scent of the slain or the the dead lamb. And once that mother smelled the smell of its baby, she accepted the orphan at her breast. And God has prepared a table for us. But the only way we could come to that table is if we smell like a son. We have to take 
the righteousness, the white wool that was on Jesus. That's why it had to be a white lamb, totally pure and spotless, that was slain. And he took his white wool, placed it on me. And now I go and I, I nudge up against, you know, uh, uh, the, the father. I don't know how father had breasts, but the father to, 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 to receive the, the, the milk and, and the food. Of, and he receives me because he no longer smells me, he smells Jesus. That is what was accomplished by Calvary's cross. But many of us talk about, you know, you need to smell me, God. I'm right. I do this right. I do that. You better get out of here. That is not my son. If you have just a, a, you know, one one thousandth of stink on you, you are not my son. My son was perfect, spotless, without blame, without fault. And don't you dare come in here acting like you, Jesus. None of you can approach me based on your own righteousness. And that's why I provided the sacrifice. Amen. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.